0: Hello again and welcome to another edition of the New Dominion Podcast. Blah, 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 if I could actually get it out, I am your co-host Sean Kenny with the Republican Standard, sitting opposite partner in crime Marty Davis with the Fredericksburg Advance. Marty, how was your week?
1: Well, uh, no, 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 Look at I, that! I, 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 it's no.
0: it's just it's <laughs> instead of COVID, it's c- 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 COVID. It's, no, it's, uh, <laughs>
1: it's 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 called uh, it's called grading. Um, so we had uh, we had finals. Grades, uh, we had to actually submit them today, Thursday. Oh, nice. Okay. And um, so the fun part for me was, in addition to the six classes I teach, we had a teacher quit in November uh, who taught psychology. Well, as it turns out, lucky me, I was the only one who knew enough about psychology to go back and grade the five classes that had been kind of left high and dry. So I had my own six classes in addition to having um, five psychology classes with a month and a half worth of ungraded papers to get wow. through. And this happens to me, and of course I'm generally pretty good about staying on top of things, but I will be the first to confess when it comes to grading, I am the world's worst prognosticator. My students have quit asking for their papers back because they're nice. never going to see It's never coming, right? Um, I'm just, at, actually my, my New Year's resolution was that I, I put a new system in place so I can actually grade quicker and actually get stuff back to people. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better, but, um, yeah. I'm the ones that
0: asked for the week extension. And then as soon as they turn it in, it's like, Michigan, hey, Mr. Kennedy, did you grade it? <laughs> no,
1: I haven't, no, I haven't no, touched
0: anything yet. Leave me alone. It, dude.
1: Go away. Yeah, go away. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sure it's interesting, but, but,
1: you know, there was that, um, uh, national championship football game. Got to watch Michigan, uh, win the national title which was a lot of fun yep uh, i was pulling for washington but okay I, I have some friends who are michigan folks so i can i can deal with that and um just a lot of grading man yeah a lot just, of grading just a lot of grading <laughs> uh, but we are having fun over the advance again um uh, the, yeah. the riverbend swim story which just keeps churning water uh, <laughs>
0: Yes, it's the only metaphor we had. It's the that's only a- metaphor
1: we had. So we have a we have a big story coming out tomorrow. It will have landed on Friday by the time people hear this, um, and then I've got a column coming out on Tuesday. So rock and roll, rock and roll. So when you listen to the podcast Monday, you can salivate and say, hmm, right, what is Marty thinking about the swim team? <laughs> and then we'll all know. And you'll all know Monday morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough, and of course, the general assembly kicked off in Virginia. Yes, it um, did. so we're down in Richmond, and all the you know it's in, it's the long session, so it's sixty days, right? Um, and the governor's budget is pretty much dead in arrival. Yep. So even though he he kind of you know hit his sales tax hike amidst a car tax cut, which yep. he really had no idea how to really implement, but nope. that's okay because we're cutting the income tax <laughs> and um, raise sales taxes on the working poor but and.
1: But you know the best bill of the year may well belong to uh, our own uh, local delegate Bobby Orrick. Oh yeah, Which bill? Who, who introduced a new bill? Actually, um, I, I just read it before I came over. It. Adele just filed it. It's a wonderful piece. Uh, he's uh, filed this bill to deal with the problem of feral cats, and uh, that may actually uh, be one that goes somewhere.
0: Wow. So, what exactly does the bill do?
1: Uh, I'd have to go, go back and read a little bit deeper. Uh, Into I was just kind of scanning the headline. Uh, I'll go back and read a little closer tonight and edit it, but uh, yeah, there's, there's pictures of cute little kittens at the top, and uh, <laughs> you can imagine no good is going to come to cute little kittens in the bill that's trying to tame feral cats.
0: Right. So, uh, so There was yeah. one bill once upon a time that, that he filed. It was a distracted driving bill um, long before the advent of cell phones, Where it was, it was dubbed the cheeseburger bill by the press because somebody did. I think somebody was eating McDonald's in the in the, the spare seat, and then got into a terrible car accident. And so Bobby decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this problem right now. And so he made it like a you know it was some sort of penalty if you were eating a cheeseburger in your car, and the rest of the general assembly is like, we know you're doing you're doing this from a good place, but. Everybody eats cheeseburgers <laughs> in the car. I mean, That's why McDonald's
1: invented the drive-through. Like, like <laughs> you know, it's a very little secret. But like, I hate to admit this, right? So like, I I love a McDonald's double cheeseburger, and I I don't know why. Like, no offense to McDonald's, like, it, but it's, they it's gross. Actually but, the, the, the oh.
0: cheapest, but yet most nutritious like meal you can get in the fast food world. It's like it, it's actually like like pound like pound for pound like the it's it's cheap it's affordable. But and you get like the most calories out of it.
1: Oh, you definitely get that. Yeah,
0: Um, well, salt and everything else, and
1: yeah, ton of salt. But I got to tell you, the one thing that I, (laughs) the one thing is like I get these cravings, and I'm like, I'm going to stop at McDonald's on the way home and get a double cheeseburger, and I eat it, and then about eleven o'clock that night, I am realizing why I don't do this every day.
0: McDonald's is one of those things. Like every two months, three months, I'm like, chicken nuggets weren't that bad, were they? And and like, yeah, they're absolutely terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I just do that to myself? Like,
1: <laughs> well, speaking about going, um, ooh, ooh, gonna, what a horrible transition! That was terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to become a better uh, broadcaster here. <laughs> Maybe I should shut up and let you introduce our guest tonight. Expanding
0: uh, good things in the world, or like trying to make things work rather than I don't know some sort of.
1: <laughs> Digestive tract rather than flush things down. I got nothing. I'm handing
0: the baton back. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, since Sean, I've got Sean stumped. And how often does that happen? Corey, have you ever seen me stump Sean? No, it doesn't happen too often. No, I think we've got to have a new game show. Stump Sean. (laughs) (laughs) jeez. It's easier than you think,
0: gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So, it's here tonight. Uh, We've got a a good friend of Megan's and a good friend of ours now, hopefully. Uh, Ian from Go, Virginia. who was going to tell us all about the millions of dollars that we can all run out tomorrow and apply for and get grants for, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open, open bank all the time. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Ian, we had a chance. Uh, you and I had a, a real brief interview. You did a great job of explaining Go Virginia to me. I know when I told Sean I was talking to you, he told me how much he loved the Go Virginia program and what a the thing it is for the, for the area. And I didn't know a whole lot about it, which is why I was calling you sure. to have you explain it to me. You did a great job explaining it to me. Uh, the piece we wrote got a lot of uh, nice comments. Uh, thanks to the guidance that you gave me, so I didn't say stupid things as I am wont to do from time to time. Um, uh, so I wonder if you just start off by telling folks a little bit about yourself and and about the Goberzinger program and all the incredible work that you're doing.
2: Yeah, well, l- let's take it back. So I- I've become a chick-fil-A addict recently. Ooh. never really growing up was never in a chick-fil-A. Recently got into it. It's my guilty pleasure. can't stop. Can't stop. I, I can't. So you,
0: you're into the Jesus chicken now. Is that I, you've, you've sold out to? Well,
2: yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, he sold I mean, out, totally. I mean, I, I've sold out. Yeah. Have you
0: have you converted to the Jesus Chicken? chickens? Uh, You'll be reading the book of Glenn Youngkin next. It's just proselytizing Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I word. thought we were done with that <laughs> book, Sean. Here we go. Come no, on now. No. Great, th- great th- sex, Thou shalt great cu- cut off the sales tax, <laughs> or cut off the car tax and raise the sales tax
1: to afford more Jesus Chicken. Sean, you're going to force me to start talking about Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto again, man. Uh,
0: to each, to, to according to their, their chicken needs. Each, <laughs> like... like <laughs> So, Chick- so Chick-fil-A has been the, been the real shift, right? If
2: you could tie the Communist Manifesto to Chick-fil-A, I think that we'd all we'd all be really impressed. Uh,
1: I can tie anything to the Communist Manifesto. Give me five minutes. I thought you were going to go with
2: Chick-fil-A on that one. It's like, mm-hmm. come
1: on. <laughs>
3: hey, just don't, just don't disrespect the Lord's Waffle Fries. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to stop. Okay. Take it over. (laughs) Even
2: distribution of goods. I I, I cause that. I'm an instigator. Um, No, no, you're you're great. (laughs) You're going to fit right in. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So so Go Virginia was started um, primarily as a way to diversify Virginia's economy. So it was started um, at a time when the Virginia Economic Development Partnership was in a little bit of peril, um, there was a JLARC study. There was just a J. Lark study that came out. Yes, right. About Go Virginia. You Which read about. got me calling you. That's right. Um, so there's a scathing uh, JLARC uh, report on VDP. They've righted the ship there, but that's kind of when Go Virginia was created to serve as kind of another economic development engine for the state. Um, it also came when there was mass sequestration at the federal level. Virginia obviously depends very heavily on the federal government for economic development. That's, that's something that will we'll never end. We've always, for years, for decades, tried to get off that dependence, but it's not something that stops. With Go Virginia, that's really kind of why it was founded, um, and that's kind of the thrust of it, to diversify Virginia's economy. Um, so Go Virginia breaks down the state into nine different regions. Um, <clears throat> we are region six, so that includes the Greater Fredericksburg area, the Northern Neck, and the Middle Peninsula. Um, And basically what we do, so we're allocated, um, we're allocated, each region is allocated money based on population each fiscal year. That money rolls over if you don't spend it, um, which is nice. But um, that money goes towards economic development projects primarily in in four core areas. So uh, site development, workforce development, entrepreneurship, and then each region kind of has their own priority clusters, uh, industry clusters. And there's a fourth area where you can kind of invest money to do for holistic growth in a particular industry.
1: So you we just had uh, in that seat last week Vernon Green, who has worked with you on a Go Virginia grant uh, with a lot of success. Can you tell us a little bit about that one?
2: Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, Vernon, I was actually on a call with him yesterday about his project. So um, Vernon's project is, is actually our largest Go Virginia project from a, a, a dollar perspective. So Vernon, as you guys know, or you may know, he may have talked about, has had a long-standing relationship with Stafford County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. Um, Has a really rich background in cybersecurity, IT in general, but specifically cybersecurity. Um, So Vernon's program is aimed at getting students certified in CompTIA, uh, which is a really desirable entry-level cybersecurity certification. Cool. Um, There's also a component of that Uh, that certifies teachers. So this is an area, it's a really difficult area because cybersecurity, um, most folks who would be teachers, I know you guys are just talking about school um, and grading papers, most folks who would be teachers can obviously make more money in the private sector. So it's really difficult to keep folks in the K through 12 system. Um, So Really kind of the goal in the teacher certification perspective of that project is to get students who are coming out of the UMW School of Education, get them certified, and then the first few years when they're getting their feet wet, they'll be teachers in the K-12 system.
0: Cool. So, so I I was around when Go Virginia got started. Um, you know, it's probably about like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen when it came off the ground. Um, and one of the big things that 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 people centered on with Go Virginia was it was two. One, the relationship with the planning district commissions. Secondly, um, there was always the example of like you know Norfolk, nineteen fifty was the same size as Charlotte in nineteen fifty, um, and Charlotte's turned into this international hub, and Norfolk's. Still the same as it ever was. Right. Because you've got um, the the difference between cities and localities surrounding it and counties, the way that land use works, the way that we tax in Virginia. Um, North North Carolina had a different ball of wax altogether, and they were able to do something with that area that um, Virginia just never had the tools to do. And so go Virginia was sort of a. Uh, an early introduction to kind of regionalism in that light. Could you go through some of that and talk to us about like go Virginia's relationship with say like regional initiatives and, in economic development?
2: Yeah. So th- that's a good point. Um, and, and a, a gentleman named Dubby Wynn, who's from Hampton roads area um, actually just, just passed away recently, but he was one of the founders of go Virginia. So when go Virginia hit the ground, The Hampton Roads area really kind of hit the ground running. they were, they were kind of a leader um, in the Go Virginia space, they right? Because they, they were initially,
0: well, I think, in two thousand one, they they had tried some sort of like um, like regional taxing authority, which is very new, very 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 new, and it it went down in flames. But Hampton Roads has always had this angle on: look, we we have an international port of call; we can take post Panamax containers; we have the port of Virginia. Like, why not? Why don't we not have the tools to capitalize on it and make it a truly? East Coast sort of dominant hub um, for for the continental United States. Um, and that was sort of like, I, yeah, so, so we're really familiar with the genesis of all that. Mm-hmm. That failed, obviously. And so they kind of kept working, workshopping it, workshopping it, workshopping it. And you get to go Virginia. Um, the Hampton Roads area is kind of like the, I don't want to say it's like the paradigm, but it's like this is... One of the major focuses, but also like Northern Virginia with the transportation authorities and things of that nature. Right. I mean, that's all the things that we have to drive through in 95. That's some of the things that Go Virginia is designed to to help address.
2: It is. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll I'll just say going back. So I I think that when the idea for go virginia w- was brought back in 1415 i think it was just perfect timing so there i think that there was some luck as to when it got approved i think there was a lot of work on the front and the one in but one of the other things that go virginia emphasizes is this idea of regionalism so um what which is always very difficult um that's something that we spend the majority of our time uh on trying to get the localities to come together on projects Um, It's really difficult in our region. The geographic footprint, as I mentioned, is Fredericksburg, Northern Neck, and Middle Peninsula. Northern Neck and Middle Peninsula have, you know, a lot of similarities from an economic perspective. Um, Fredericksburg, not so much with them, Uh, but it's really difficult often to get those planning districts to work together. It's also difficult to get the localities within the planning districts to work together. And then sometimes it's difficult to get the parties within a local government to work together. So that's something that's always, um, there's continuous improvement there, but that's definitely a thrust of Go Virginia. And one of the things that came out in the JLARC study is this idea that Go Virginia has improved regional collaboration significantly in the past five, six, seven years.
1: But one of the things about, re- I mean, we hear about regionalism all the time. We had Matt Kelly in here uh, once before, and Matt's, you know, railing about regionalism and we got, you know, everything is a regional solution. And you know we kind of nod and agree with them, right? You know, when you talk about issues like fire and school and police, and I mean, look, th- this community here is so tight knit that and and there's you know the lines just blur. It, it, you would you would think it wouldn't be that hard to do, and yet there's always one locality that doesn't want to play in a sandbox, um, and you know, in in this region at Spotsylvania. Um, How has Go Virginia improved regionalism and how do you see it kind of taking the next step?
2: Sure. Well, you know, I think that generally economic development is a nonpartisan thing. Um, So I think that that's a major benefit. And and I think that when folks really see um, the potential economic benefit of some of our projects, they're less likely to fall into those fiefdoms that they typically fall into. Um, another thing that I'll say, um, now that's, that's true kind of broadly. When we get into land use, when we start talking about site development and things like that, especially now with the affordable housing crisis, particularly in the greater Fredericksburg area, that becomes a major issue that pushes people back into their space. Um, I say 60, 70, 80% of our projects true. in all the other go Virginia regions are workforce development. So, Career exposure, creating pathways for students in the K through 12 system and leveraging our partnerships with the community college system, um, which represent all the communities as well. That's really where we um, find kind of a streamlined way, if you will, to bring the localities together. So economic development, nonpartisan workforce development, even more so, especially, you know, the crisis that the companies are in now um, with the uh, employee shortages.
0: Yeah, so so the 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 800 pound gorilla, of course, is land use and transportation. Um, that's the one where you know, I mean, go Virginia. It, it's not explicitly something that they're there to tackle, but everybody knows it's sort of on the horizon. What I mean, where where do we stand there, or do we just do we not stand there? It's sort of the same problem. I think everybody realizes it is a problem. Um, but so long as localities make the land use decisions and the Commonwealth makes the transportation decisions, um, we're just at an impasse.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think one of the things that you see, particularly in the Fredericksburg area, is the issue of data centers. And I, I think that folks from the land use perspective are starting to see, they have to see, they're being forced to see the hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue that data centers could bring for better or for worse. There are obviously very strong arguments on either side of that equation. Um, But you're starting to see that now. And I think that folks are really getting behind. I mean, data centers, they require a lot of land. Yes. So folks are really getting behind this idea of rezoning for data centers and dedicating land to them. Now, again, the flip side of that is the affordable housing issue, um, which is pervasive again, particularly in this area. So, the battle between those two, I, I, I don't know what wins. Um, and there are obviously strong arguments for both. Sure.
0: So, but like, to, to, I mean, how, but how, how much, I mean, in terms of transportation dollars, um, like, like a data center, I mean, you're not talking about hundreds of people going in and out every single day, right? I mean, you're just talking about a plot. It's almost like a, like, like, a, like solar farms and things of that nature. It's there. It's maybe a handful of people tending it to it, but it's not really putting any kind of impact on, you know, any strain on your roads and things of that nature. So residential development, clearly, that's one area that, that might be outside of the scope of Goat Virginia, right? But when you're talking about things like um, like a Kalahari, for instance, there in Thornburg, right, where, um, yeah, the, the locality makes the land use decision, and yet the, the surrounding transportation infrastructure, if they fully build that thing out, it's just not going to be able to tackle that, right? You've got neighboring Caroline County which you've got neighbors over there that are just railing about like the, the, the noise from the racetrack and all these other things. And Spotsylvania shrugs is like, yeah, but we're making money. Um, (laughs) Like, like those are some of the interactions, like some of the stuff that Marty was talking about earlier is just like, like that's where, you know, one locality makes a decision that really impacts the region in a certain way. And everybody else has to pick up those pieces, even though, like the Commonwealth's going to have to pick up the transportation end of it some way, where if we just planned it a little bit better, we could have smoothed that out, right? I mean, that's sort of the...
2: Yeah, definitely. So a few things. So I'll just say as a planning district commission, which Go Virginia falls under GWRC, the George Washington uh, Regional Commission for the five localities in the greater Fredericksburg area, we see ourselves as a convener. So our thrust all the time And and Megan, my good friend Megan, sees this in, in the housing world, in the homelessness world. I know that you guys had Sam Shukas on. We try to have all those conversations from a planning perspective. And getting back to economic development, this idea of regionalism, one of the reasons that we want to have a mass of localities come together on something is so that they are competitive so when we talk about data centers so that they 're competitive for data centers, and when these data centers when these companies, particularly Amazon now are looking they 're looking at this planning district they 're not necessarily so all, all the localities you know they have their assets more or less but they 're looking at the five localities um so it, it, it's really important for them to have kind of a cohesive plan. One of the other things that we try to do, um, I, I don't know what year it was, but uh, Virginia established um, this legislation that passed that enabled folks to create regional industrial facility authorities. So that allows the localities to revenue share on site development so that's the main piece of it the other piece of that is that when they're doing that they're coordinating the planning um, so we have a regional industrial facility authority in this region um, it was started by the Fredericksburg regional alliance mm-hmm. um, we haven't had any projects yet only king george and fredericksburg are officially a part of that um, but that is when we have conversations with folks in the region about site development that's we lead with that, with the regional industrial facility authority perspective all the time, because of that idea of joint planning on site development.
0: Right. So apart from data centers, what are we really looking at in terms of the Fredericksburg area? I mean, when, when Go Virginia or wherever, like, you know, it's kind of like they're pitching the region or VDEP's pitching the region or whatever the case may be. Uh, what are we really looking for here? And what, and what, do, you, what do you see on the horizon for, for the area?
2: Yeah, so so for this planning district, uh IT cybersecurity, um we have a lot of assets in that area. We had a, a a really large project with Germana about a $500,000 project that just closed out recently that ended up being a two or three year project um getting folks certified in cybersecurity. Um that kind of allowed them to get the seed money to expand their campus for cybersecurity. So we have a lot of assets in this planning district for IT. Really, so what I see is a lot of the kind of tech transfer from Northern Virginia. Um, And and cybersecurity is really kind of a a space where we're thriving. Uh, Also, you know, 95 will always have an opportunity to be somewhat of a distribution hub. Anywhere in Virginia has that because of the proximity to a large population of the U.S. and the East Coast. So cybersecurity, IT, distribution, logistics, somewhat, again, outside of data centers, which is the 8,000-pound gorilla.
0: Sure. So we're looking to we would be like the Silicon Valley of cybersecurity. Is that what I'm hearing? That'd sure. be kind of cool. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> sure, Sean, whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So you think calcium so, prices are bad now, dude. Wait till that yeah, happens. Yeah, wait till
0: that happens. That'd be awesome. I'll take it. That'd be great. Why wouldn't we want that? Big shrug. <laughs> I can barely pay my mortgage now, man. How in the world am I going to handle it when it goes up? Because your property values will go up, and then you'll be a millionaire. You never even realized it, man. Oh, okay. Thanks to Go Virginia. See Thank that? you very much, Go Virginia. So, um, yeah. I love it. So apart from so so, I'm I mean, hearing like, like the government contracting side, cybersecurity things of that nature. Um, talk to me a little bit about like say like the big ticket items again. Going back to this idea of like. Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Where they're pointing at Norfolk, Richmond, the Northern Virginia area. Where are some of the areas where localities are doing well cooperating? Where are some opportunities that we could sort of um, breach? And like, what's the where do you guys see yourselves 20 years from now?
2: That's a tough question. That's a uh, lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will. I, I don't want to harp on data centers too much, but I, I it's really an, an unavoidable conversation in, in the Fredericksburg region, and I do think so. Uh, I went on a trip, an inner-city trip, with the Fredericksburg Regional Chamber to Lexington, Kentucky recently. They've done a really good job of getting behind their tourism industry and creating an economy around that, and then... You know, whiskey, horses, the bourbon trail. People, yeah, people you can't like beat the, that. You know, people. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> if you drink enough bourbon, you can convince anybody that your hometown's cool. But so that's
0: how we got data centers. Was just on a river of bourbon. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Well done.
2: Yeah. So it, anyway, the the Fredericksburg Regional Chamber is trying to lead this initiative to to brand the region. Okay. And the idea from a revenue perspective is that data centers is really kind of the thing that fuels that. And then that'll trickle down to all these other things. Okay. So again, I, I I don't want to, you know, I'm not getting paid under the table by Amazon. But I, I just sponsored by Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, they, they need it. Yeah, they need the exposure for sure. Of oh, totally. They, they yeah. do not get enough yeah By the
1: way, Amazon, if you're listening, five four zero four nine.
0: But there's a trickle down. There, it's it's like secondary economies, tertiary economies that flow down when you bring a data center in. There, there, there's other opportunities for intersecting economies that get that, that arrive at the table, contaminant with that. Correct.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, and going back to one of your previous points, so transportation here is terrible. Mm -hmm. And let's just kind of dumb it down and say that I-95 is one of the worst stretches of road known to man in modern history. I live in Richmond. I drive it frequently. I hate it. Tell us what you really think. As,
0: <laughs> At least it moves going down I, to Richmond. I, was I mean, like like say, DC.
2: Try going yeah. the other way. Well, uh, it, well, it's coming down here. Uh, it's getting worse yeah. and worse. But uh, data centers, t- to your earlier point, there's not much of an impact. So there, there's an environmental impact for sure. But in other areas, it, it's a low impact industry mm-hmm. that bring. So it doesn't create a lot of jobs. You know, twenty and like a data center campus, whatever. And then that kind of dwindles sure. down as you really set it up. But the revenue, hundreds of millions of dollars that we see in our Northern Virginia counterparts is the thing that has folks kind of salivating. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, this idea that it can trickle down and create secondary economies. Yeah.
0: So in terms of like, you know, you say you go ahead, you set up a data center and it's bringing in you know, millions of dollars the first year. And then depreciation sets in, right? What's the
2: shelf life on these things? On the data centers? Yeah, Ooh, that's 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 not an area of expertise that I have. No, oh, Amazon didn't pay for that one. Still waiting. Oh. On <laughs> Once I get the check from Amazon, I'll come back and I'll talk. Oh, nice. It. But, okay, okay, but in fairness, I mean, and you know, and I've
1: I've talked to um, you know, I've, I've talked to people involved in these negotiations a fair bit, and you know, the, the depreciation angle gets talked about a lot. The problem is, or the issue is. It, it, in some i don't want to say it's a non-issue but it's not as big an issue as people make it out to be because the technology behind the data centers turns over so rapidly mm-hmm. you've got to replace this stuff every two years anyway right i mean it's almost like the second you build the thing and it's up and running within six months it the technology is obsolete and you're 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 ramping up and so the depreciation costs are not as not as big a factor as factors. At least as I understand it, uh, it's a lot of people worry about it. Man. Yes and no, right? So, so obviously,
0: technology is baseline technology is going to have some sort of a cost, right? But you know, we're still in the throes of Moore's law, right? So we're sure. we're still improving what these things do over yep. the course of time, and we're able to make them more cost effectively. Sure. over the course of time too. So say they last three to five years, you swap them out, that, that whatever it's going to be using is actually going to be cheaper, more efficient, all these other things. And so the the, the question for locality is, is like, great, I can go ahead and get rid of my taxes and lower them to zero, right? But are you going to be able to, to, to rely on that income in year three, year four, year five before you go back in and then you do it again? And then if you assess it a certain way, um, you know, maybe one closes up maybe well, when we go to the neighboring at least
1: the way the deal was written in Stafford which we just wrote about I mean yeah you're going to be able to count on this for a good while this is not going anywhere anytime soon uh, well maybe right I thought I was supposed to be the skeptic, and you were supposed to be the. Uh, I was supposed to be rubber. the wild eyes enthusiast for. Here, uh, here I am talking like a Republican. Give me the money. Show me the money, baby.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's your democratic idealism where it's like, oh, great, I can I can I can soak this thing. Or, uh, <laughs> whereas I'm sitting there folding my arms, going, oh, it's technology. It's like, I'm a luddite at core. Can Can localities rely upon them to fund teachers and deputies? Or should they really be relying upon them to build schools and one-time costs? That's the the general gist of my
2: question. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think if you look at Northern Virginia, I think that they've, they've relied upon that revenue stream for a significant amount of time, a, a de- decade, if not more than that, you know? Sure. I, but I think, to your point, I, I think that, yes. We have this conversation all the time with folks again, because there's so much emphasis now that's really kinda happened in the last, and what I mean really, I mean folks starting to think about rezoning and things like that to situate themselves for data centers. It's really kinda happened in the last year, two years. We talk to them, especially from a land perspective, about taking a diversified approach so that we don't end up in a situation that you're alluding to. Sure. And and I think that really, Yes, what you're looking at is having a revenue stream where you're funding infrastru- hard infrastructure costs as opposed to saying for, you know, for 30 years we're gonna have revenue to fund teachers and we're not gonna have to worry about anything else.
1: Right. Can I turn back to the jloc report that you referenced earlier? And you talked about, I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, did you use the word skating? Did I mishear you? It was scathing.
2: uh for the Virginia Economic Development Partnership for, yes yes yeah yep. I did use that uh,
1: one of the um, one of the criticism one of the recommendations is just to change the way the metrics run that's the part that kind of caught me in the report right mm-hmm. um, can you kind of explain that because it's, it took me a while to kind of I'm not sure my head is wrapped around it but at least to the point that I could write about it
2: yeah I, t- I tried to explain that to Marty for like an hour and a half and um, <laughs> we just I got frustrated. And I threw the phone. And, nice. Um, I think I, my dog and his dog started to talk at some point. They did. So, they did. so We had like nice. side
0: channels. This is like Kissinger and like, you know, okay, nice. Well done.
1: <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> of course, Ian walks into the next room and talks to Nixon and says, my God, that guy's stupid. No, no, is not smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wasn't we expecting it. We cannot that do business with this man. <laughs> the
2: Kissinger-Nixon reference. Um, <laughs> that's good. I um, lived through a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, so Go Virginia, uh, you know, uh, again going back to the genesis, the idea was creating private sector jobs. So that has been the core metric for every Go Virginia grant since it started. So the J-Lark report said that okay, this has become a really successful program for workforce development. And when we talk workforce development, again, we're talking about creating career pathways, which eventually Hopefully, end in jobs, but it, it, it's a it's a long term investment. So the JLOC study basically said, okay let let's still uh, let's still have job creation as a metric, but let's kind of pull the emphasis back a little bit and think of broader economic development benefit. That was really kind of the the core of their. Um, their recommendation. But that's what caught a lot of media attention. That's sort of what hit the front page of a number of
1: papers, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, de- it definitely did. um Well, it, at least in your article. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smoked. Love it. Oh, my God. Well, and with that, it's been a wonderful evening here at the New Dominion Podcast. Ooh, ooh, I will be stepping ooh, aside to Corey you, and Megan to. Tell, yeah, where'd you do your
0: undergrad? Say it's not UNC oh oh man. my yeah. god uh, v- vcu see look at that you're just surrounded by enemies man it's just like
1: life is not good life is harsh man
2: <laughs> <laughs> you really l- come
1: all the way up from richmond it's every been day? a long week
2: uh, no i don't um so i come up tuesdays and thursdays okay um and i've started to take the train which Ooh, i love nice it's very nice 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 we're in richmond uh, in Oregon Hill, near VCU.
0: Okay, yeah. So so there's a place that's changed over the last 10, 20 years, right?
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in the past five years. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, so this is,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's changed incredibly. Um, so so uh, heck, just the VCU overall, right? Like, like, I can remember, you know, 20 years ago, that place was just, I mean, yeah, it was VCU, but like between VCU and the Capitol, I mean, you know, tread lightly. It's, uh, I mean, even Monroe Park right now, you probably don't want to hang out unless you you know really enjoy the smell of skunk weed and things of that nature but um (laughs) but but here's like the city of richmond right you know 20 years ago it's a failing city you know now it's like one of the hottest destinations on the planet right um you can't get enough human beings into to the city of richmond um you know the the henrico and whatnot they seem to be cooperating a little bit more because they kind of see richmond as a as a cultural hub, Um, you know, south of the James, not so much, but uh, uh, instead of like Norfolk really turning into Charlotte, it seems like Richmond is, is, is turning into Charlotte. Um, How much of that is, I mean, I mean, do you have any sort of like go Virginia insight on what's happening in Richmond or?
2: Uh, Well, I, so I, I've lived cumulatively. um, I went to grad school in Northern Virginia. So lived in Northern Virginia proper DC for a while, but I've lived cumulatively in uh, Richmond for well over a decade. So it's okay. upwards of like 15 years. So it's more home than my hometown, really. I will, I will trace it back to one thing, and that is VCU going to the Final Four. Really? when VCU, Well, it, other factors too. I'm a, I'm a sports guy, so I'll, sure. I'll trace it back to that. But when VCU went to the Final Four, the influx of students that year, the amount of the increase in revenue to the school... And VCU's ability to buy up real estate in the community really kind of fueled a lot of economic development in Richmond and I think put Richmond on the map a little more. Interesting. Interesting.
0: So that's, that's sort of, so, I mean, I wonder, could you point to Charlottesville winning the NCAA and say maybe you had a similar impact? Probably not because it's, it's Charlottesville. But it's like all of a sudden, like the final four, you get the students in there and they discover, hey, Richmond's not such a bad place after all. Um, and then all of a the sudden, there's investment and attention and everything else. Is that the secret to?
2: <laughs> well, I I don't know if UMW is going to win any Final Fours anytime no, soon. But, um, no, no.
0: They, they'd actually have to have a basketball program.
1: For... But, um, well, D3 basketball program. Well, wait a minute. The women's D3 program is actually
2: quite good. See, there you go.
0: Okay. Do they, even, do they have a football program, Marty? No. Of course not. Why not? So there you go. It's I mean, it's the only sport that matters. <laughs>
1: Cricket, cricket. If we're going to talk about that no. damn UVA UNC <laughs> game again this year, I'm going to reach across this table and smack you. Yeah,
2: in the football game. Yeah, that was. A, I thought uh, UNC was kind of on their way. They really kind of. Yeah, until yeah, so they yeah. ran into so, the Wahoos. So we're going to we're going to
1: we're going to relive this memory again. How many times are we going to do this?
0: Yeah. How much economic development do you think that was worth at in Charlottesville? Apart from what was stolen from UNC? It-
1: November cannot get here soon enough when we get another crack at you. <laughs>
2: Well, when you run into the three and eight Wahoos, that's a, that's a tough battle. That's really rough, man. So
1: moving on. uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, but let just real quick on Richmond. I I will say, I I think that Richmond had a lot of assets. It was a very unsafe city. I I don't think that can be underestimated. Most, most cities are, but. They deal with a unique set of challenges that you do not have to deal with in other localities. Better said than I would have said it. It's but, why they pay uh, me the big bucks, uh, man. Well, it's absolutely. But <laughs> it, it, I, I mean, in the, in, in the 90s, it was a very unsafe city. So MVCU uh, was an attractive place. Uh, economic development, you were going to have companies relocating there. So I, I I think that, you know, it became safer. It started to leverage some of the assets. Um, and it has a lot of really strong counties in its periphery. So Chesterfield, Henrico, Hanover are all strong in their own right. And they do, to your earlier point, they're not perfect at regionalism, but they do it well enough. Right.
0: And Is some of that because Richmond just like way ahead of the curve where like in the 60s and 70s where they're doing annexations it's just like, hey, nice mall. Shame if something happened to it. And they annex, you know, paramall and things of like that nature. And that's how I mean, Richmond just kind of got ahead of the curve in a way that other localities did not, or like, say, like Virginia Beach, it's like, oh, instead of a county, we're just going to become a city now, um, which kind of choked everything up, right? I mean, because that's sort of like the the secret as to why Norfolk never became Charlotte, right? Because the, the other localities in the Hampton Roads areas just became cities. And then when the General Assembly finally said that, no, unless you're providing water and sewer, you can't annex it, um, that's what cut it off entirely, right?
2: Yeah yeah definitely well and i think you know just kind of parallel so richmond's development the expansion of vcu that's kind of what vcu has become their real estate wing brings in hundreds of millions of dollars every year but they they've kind of to use your metaphor i guess they've kind of annexed more and more of the city over time in areas that weren't technically the county, but when you get into deep, like South Richmond, you're really on the border of the counties. Those areas were kind of blighted. They still kind of are, but you you, you saw the school stretch further and further out, and then that lead to economic development opportunities.
0: Sure. So is it really more like building up in terms of a VCU or something like that, That's they kind of put Richmond on a map rather than the, the, the building out which was sort of the strategy in the 60s and 70s?
2: Uh, it's the building out. And, and I think Richmond has done a really good job, which I think that this region has the opportunity to, of taking advantage of the James River. Obviously, the James River is not here, but in Richmond, I, I think that the the city, the counties have done a really good job of developing an economy around tourism. Okay.
0: So, for, so then for cities like uh, Norfolk, for instance, it sounds like, what I'm hearing, at least, is that that Norfolk, rather than kind of building out in terms of regionalism, we're trying to like conquer and annex its its neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like up is really the way forward, like quality versus just you know kind of a rude quantity where you're just you kind know, of getting the land mass necessary to provide for an economy. Is that close?
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I wouldn't profess to be the the expert on Hampton Roads, but yeah, I I would say generally for those localities, I think it it is more of a building up than it is a building out. I would so, agree with that.
0: So for the city of Fredericksburg, then. Like, that that's a a glimmer of hope. Because we've had Matt Kelly, former councilman, Mm -hmm. um, sort of kind of lament the condition of Fredericksburg. It's like, no, we have all these great taxing tools, but we just don't have the resources of neighboring Spotsylvania and Stafford. Um, It sounds like what I'm hearing is that, you know, UMW just needs to get through the Final Four or some event where, like, more human beings just, like, swarm into the city of Fredericksburg. Because that's what builds economies at the end of the day is human beings, right? Um, But if we get that sort of... It just it's some sort of magnet here that just brings more people in. That this is the key, really, to building you know strong like regionally based communities. Is well, that- except
1: we have brought people in. I mean, this is one of the fastest growing regions in the state, and has been for quite some time. And Fredericksburg's population is expected to grow as by another ten, 000, twelve thousand people in the next fifteen years. I mean, and what's attracting them here is a couple of things. One, clearly. It's just a great place to live, right? I mean, there's, there's this is what Matt will also talk about, the unique character of the city. Um, it's it's just kind of a special place to be. So there's a strong tourism element. There is the foodie kind of element. Uh, there is, I know, you're... you're it's not your Charlottesville, man.
0: Food. It's not Richmond, man. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it has its strengths, right? But it's just sort of like Fredericksburg's just kind of... It hasn't. It, is it going to be historic Fredericksburg? Or is it going to be neon, right? Or is it going to be... You know something. I mean, we we're still sort of schizophrenic as to what we want to be here. I don't and think, how we, how no, we do I don't it. This, you know.
1: Well, Megan, before I get myself in trouble yet again tonight, I, I seem to be off my game tonight. Uh, if I ever had a game to begin with,
0: you're a UNC fan, ma'am. You don't uh, have a Would you shut? Look at that. Would you shut up,
1: uh, Megan? Uh, <laughs> dear God, Ian, are you an athlete? Am I an athlete? Were you an athlete?
2: In my mind, I was an athlete. 20 years ago. What sport? Uh, I played football, basketball, and baseball. What position? In all three of the sports. Yes. Um, That could be a lot of positions. Uh, I was a guard in basketball. I'm short. I can see that. I had no other options, you know. Um, Football, uh, quarterback most of my life. I got to the point later on where I was like, I really don't love this responsibility. Kind of just want to chill. So I played wide receiver. And defensive back. And actually, when I was in high school, we came up to Fredericksburg. We played the James Madison. James, and Rowe.
0: James, James Rowe, Monroe. James yeah. Monroe.
2: Yep. Uh, Vernon made that mistake the other day. That's why i make so I'm blaming gotcha. on him. Fair. The James Monroe and the nickname Yellow Jackets. Yellow
1: Jackets. Yellow Jackets. Jam, Twenty-eight
2: yeah. to zero victory on behalf of my school. So took you guys down. But um nice. and then in okay. baseball, I uh, played center field and and was a pitcher. But again, many. Many years ago.
1: Well, very good. So I was a tight end, and now I'm back on track. But I wanted to bring Megan in. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, let's talk about this this issue of the character of the city and kind of who we are. And Sean and I are kind of at loggerheads here a little bit. What do you,
4: what do you think? Um, well, I mean, I think a lot of people have varying kind of perceptions when they hear, you know, the character of a city. And kind of what that means, I think, means something different to everyone. Um, I think in terms of development, I mean, we've spent a great deal of time talking about all the various elements that would go into that. Um, And I think to everyone's point about, you know, kind of the the different needs of the localities, um, you know, what that. Kind of character of a downtown district versus the character of, uh, you know, more of a rural county like King George or Caroline, or even more suburbs, right, Spotsylvania and Stafford. Like the idea of what someone thinks the character of that is very different. I do think, like being a downtown district, that Fredericksburg City has a unique, um, you know, I guess idea of what that character would be Compare, and I think a lot of you know planning districts are kind of like that you have like more of an urban hub uh, if you want to call Fredericksburg City urban and then you have like more localities uh, that are more on the rural side around that but I think each one kind of presents unique challenges in terms of like what Ian was saying with housing and how that correlates with economic development um and Corey and I, you know, as as you guys know, are a part of Fredericksburg Main Street too, and that type of economic development, um you know there's a there's a, a difference right between a downtown district economic development and a locality economic development there are a lot of elements that can can fit into either of those
0: it's all like transition zones and things of that nature right mm-hmm. which i mean again like it, we don't do a very good job of that at all maybe the, the the counties do but you know in cities in terms of like fredericksburg there is no transition zone it's it's you know you know suburbia and then you hit a wall and then it's you know more suburbia but um yeah there's not a whole lot of opportunity for for that kind of thing and then like in the like uh, Spotsylvania being the kind of the prime example because the 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 Rappahannock is of and itself like a transit I mean it's a hard line right you're not going to be able to transition over anything like that and so much like the city of Richmond going into Henrico and annexing it right um to some degree you know Fredericksburg really did start doing that in the late 70s um when they could and they Almost got the Spotsylvania Mall. Um, actually, territorially they did, but I think Spotsylvania still taxes it. Um, but that's how rigid the lines were um, back then, and those lines really, that history really hasn't gone away. Right? It's it's Spotsylvania still views Fredericksburg as this this leech that took away Central Park, and now they have it. Now they're making tens of millions of dollars on it, um, and so they're very reticent to cooperate with any sort of regional anything. Right. Um, Which is it's and there's there's a lot of history that goes on behind that. Um, And then you look at other localities like Richmond seems to have a better chance at it. But is it because Richmond annexed a lot of Henrico County or is it because, you know, the city fathers decided it's going to be a win win. And then you get to Norfolk, which was really the genesis of Go Virginia. And it's like, okay, we can really turn this into a hub in 20 years. And, um, you know, it turns out that it's still like the problems of regionalism uh, and the problems of getting these localities to to view this as a win win rather than I win you lose or keeping the responsibilities back on somebody else—it's a lot harder. I mean, we still haven't. We're, we're kind of nibbling the edges. We're just not getting to the core of it yet. You yeah, know?
1: except Virginia has the banking industry, right? I mean, it's it's a it's it's a major center for banking uh, on the East Coast, right? It's not Charlotte, but it's it's not an inconsequential player. Where's the business angle here? I think what you were saying, Egan, about cybersecurity could be the angle to
2: do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely. So, I I actually, when I first started working in this region, was a little less familiar with it than than other parts of the state. So, I worked a lot previously in the in the Richmond area, um, Winchester, deep kind of southwest Virginia, which is where I'm originally from. Um, and I'm always really impressed by. We always use the location quotient, which is really just how how many, what's the concentration of companies in a particular industry, the concentration of cybersecurity defense contractors in the, in Fredericksburg, Stafford, in this planning district. It's incredible. It's It's very impressive. Um, and, And those are really high paying, great jobs. This program that we have with Vernon, you know, this this is a program where you can get a certificate that doesn't take much time and go into a career where you're making sixty thousand dollars a year, um, and then that just creates that circular economy where it goes back in. Um, now, that you know, that affects affordable housing, which is a conversation for another day that we always kind of wrestle with. But um, yeah, I I think cybersecurity is a major opportunity. Um, I, I I think also. Um, the tourism perspective, I, th- I think that this region, and this is one of the things that the Fredericksburg regional chamber is trying to do. Um, I, I think it's going to be difficult, but what is the identity of this region? What are people from outside? So I've lived in Virginia my whole life. If you told me Fredericksburg, I'm like, well, as Northern Virginia, I- and that's not that'll start t- a fight around here man and, oh sure but you're
0: right it's like it's like when you drive through to get to northern virginia right it's not that there's Fredericksburg really doesn't have that kind of we think we have a great identity but like driving through it's like it's it's you know your last chance to ditch before you go over well the, and, the, and the tip the, off to
1: of that is is that when you say Fredericksburg, how many times do people say oh you live in fredix maryland uh, maybe in the it northern ha- virginia I mean, area yeah it happens to be a lot yeah
0: yeah, but like, to cool. your point, like, what, what is our right? Are we historic Fredericksburg? Is it is it neon? Is it the cyber like like the you know defense contractor incorporated? I mean, who are we, right? What are we trying to appeal to? What's the 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 big sell to other small businesses or, or aspiring businesses to 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 come and locate here, right?
2: Well, and all those things are – and I didn't say that to Tuba's merch, Fredericksburg. Yes, you necessary. did. I feel besmirched. <laughs> We're all really? besmirched. Uh, Wait, I mean, we, we besmirch ourselves.
0: This we, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a drinking town with a history problem. Sure, 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 Which sure. is the best line for Fredericksburg ever. Yeah, so. well, I,
2: know that. I had dinner at Capoeira, so I know. Well, then there you dinner go, dinner, yeah. But, um, the the southern mac and cheese, which uh, – You would
0: have figured a Richmond guy. We went to something you knew, didn't you?
2: <laughs> I did. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, – so there, I mean, there are other parts in the state. Like again, I said I grew up in Southwest Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. So I, you know, Roanoke is a bit—it's—it's it's a bigger area than Fredericksburg, but there's nothing particularly. Sp- Hold on here. Th- there's Ooh, no- <laughs> You're not going to talk about the Star City that way, but, but I mean, That's
0: like, right. so I'll venture to Listen, say it for you, like, there's nothing.
1: There's nothing attractive you, about Roanoke. you've got the federal
0: sorry. court. You've got oh, Roanoke's a great town. It's- and they got Lebanese restaurants over there. We don't have Lebanese restaurants here in Fredericksburg. That makes them more civilized than us. It's true. So they've got great Lebanese restaurants in Roanoke. So, but like the, the Star City, you've got the railroad over there. They've got a town plaza. You've got the Star. You've got the 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 Western District Courthouse. So you've actually got a lot going on in Roanoke I'm defending your hometown so yeah
2: well it's live close but I actually grew up in Natural Bridge which is oh even better cool yeah but I I, what I was alluding to is that I think that Roanoke and people in the state have kind of used it as an example of developing an economy uh, around outdoor tourism I think that they've done a really good job of creating an identity around that and they're not particularly more advantaged than a Fredericksburg that's a great point. You, you think about it,
3: like,
0: we don't do a whole lot of outdoor tourism here in Virginia. I mean, we've got the canoes and things of that nature, but that's a great point. I mean, you think even like points West, like they, they just kind of live outdoors a little bit more than we do. Right. And for some reason, in Fredericksburg, we just kind of retired. We're, we're we come home, we, we go indoors. Um, but like, like Richmond, for example, you're talking like the whole river city motif and using utilizing the James River. It's like, that's That's an interesting point. I really hadn't even considered that. It was just because of this underutilized resources, like go step outside and touch grass and find out how awesome your community really is, right?
2: Yeah, well, exactly. I I think on the East Coast, we're always kind of at a disadvantage in terms of developing an economy around that because there's not much public land here. Um, So that's that's all. I I think like 18% of land, maybe even less than that in Virginia is public. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet we've got battlefields.
0: Oh, We're laughing about the battlefields. but, but the battle. You think we've it's like we've got battlefields, and you're like, yeah, oh, that's not real public land. That's sure. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I, again, that I, I think that's all part of. So I, you start to have the battlefield discussion that can that can get awkward with attracting folks to the region potentially. But I think that again, like d- developing a cohesive identity. Use the word schizophrenic earlier. I think that's yeah. a, a, a very appropriate way to term it having that identity so that folks really know what Fredericksburg is, just going back to that, I think that you cannot underestimate that. Um, And going back to the example of Roanoke, I think that they've harnessed whatever advantages that they have to have that identity. Like I said, Richmond, everybody knows it as the River City. Richmond's not Fredericksburg. It's very different, I know, but they've done that. Fredericksburg or uh, Roanoke, I don't know what you would call Roanoke, but they've really. The Star City. That's not right, right. what they call the Star them. City. Yeah, yeah, Star there we go. Yep. Yeah. But, but they developed such an economy, outdoor economy around, well, they have the mountains too, but the yep, river in is. particular, like specifically the river mm-hmm. and recreation activities around the river. Um, and I, I don't think that that's necessary. I, I think that that can be a foundation for a lot of other things like Main Street businesses um yeah I I just think that that's really important
4: yeah and I think it's really interesting um we've heard a lot uh about uh, just some of the things that were talked about on that Kentucky trip and the idea of which Main Street talks about a lot like placemaking right and what placemaking can do for communities not just in terms of uh obviously you know creating comfortable and welcoming spaces for people to come and visit in terms of tourism, but then the type of economic development that goes with it. And I think that, you know, kind of the idea of creating a personality that everyone can really kind of rally behind is something that could be a tourism and economic development driver, right. For our region. Um, So it's, it's interesting to kind of see the discussions around what that looks like. Um, especially in a city that seems to have done that so well in Lexington Kentucky where they have these elements right and our executive director at GWRC Chip has talked about this too of like uh, like horse racing and bourbon and you know like the the uh, character of the city that is kind of built around that and how everyone uh, well probably not everyone right but a good majority of people cosign that idea and what that has done regionally for for lexington kentucky in terms of their economic development can be really powerful
2: but
1: that but that's happened right in a number of places you know i mean like um the stacks record community in uh, memphis for example uh that they sort of revitalized that part of memphis around the stacks record industry they've done the same thing in detroit around soul music uh they've done something similar in chattanooga it's been a few years since i wrote about this they have done something similar in chattanooga um you know i I hate to pull up an article i wrote two and a half years ago but i am you know you love it i do love it you like it man i am just feeling (laughs) marty you were just (laughs) good lord target on your back god almighty (laughs) everybody just hate on me tonight man just smell weakness (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, it's i hate the, to say it but you did the, the limp to the gazelle and on the on yeah the Savannah, i'm, I'm the limping gazelle man what can i say <laughs> three weeks of grading essays and i'm just dead. you really from, didn't even get a vacation you know it's, i have not had a vacation in forever yeah pretty much
0: like 10 years maybe when, when like, you're
1: in my line of work there what is a vacation i don't i don't know what a vacation is but um you know, one of the arguments I've made is that I think Fredericksburg missed an opportunity with the slave museum, and I think it's got a real opportunity still in front of it to become the epicenter of research for um, for uh, the African American um, movement to find freedom, right? I mean, more people cross the river here in Fredericksburg than anywhere else on their way to freedom, right? Why is this not the epicenter of research for that stuff? Why is UMW not? the place that scholars want to go to do this. Um, This is where we're getting the highest and best use for the courthouse, the old courthouse. As a, as a center could, of research, I put could, the
0: James Monroe Memorial Library there. I,
1: I'm there. I mean, look, I, I mean, you talk about what is distinctive about this area and the and the African-American push for freedom in this area. It is distinctive, and it's not a story that is told. It needs to be told.
0: That's an interesting So, So it's almost like we'll figure out what we want to be when we decide to do what to do with the Renwick Courthouse. And if we do it something like that where it's a cultural hub, this, like, links everything together, right? But if we sell out and do something else, then – Maybe we've missed something that's really unique.
1: Speaking of the article that someone in here wrote six months ago, that's right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, like especially in terms of really memorializing those stories. Uh, we, I mean, it's been a while now that we've had Dr. Gayla Sims on um, with FAM, but they are doing a lot of work there to catalog those stories, to really talk to people in the community, and to to shed light on those histories in a way that I think you know really should have. Uh, a great deal of significance for everyone that lives in right. Fredericksburg. But
1: I mean, I mean, and that's uh, I, that's great work, right? But what I'm talking about is a step, oh, a, a couple steps above that, right? I'm talking about making this a research center. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Springfield, Illinois. Look, no. I hate the spares. I mean, you talk about a hole in the ground. Springfield is a pit. Okay, I'm sorry, folks. Been there a lot. But, My mother was born in Springfield. No, but, no, <laughs> but but but. It is the epicenter of the Lincoln Library. I mean, the world comes to Springfield, Illinois, and it has built its economy on the back of academic research at the, at the Lincoln Library. It's a phenomenal place.
0: So it's a little bit like what Elon was discussing with VCU, and, and just the, the, if you build Absolutely. it, they will come. And Absolutely. That's the economic engine. It's, it's almost like piling a bunch of tinder in a pile and then just waiting for the spark that catches yep. the, the
3: imagination of economic development.
1: Yep. Corey?
3: Hmm yeah well i mean you know working through main street you know i think it's another thing that's been really difficult for us is to um to help point out those you know th- some of the advantages that are out here in fredericksburg um you know for entrepreneurs to get people interested and invested in the area but i think that fredericksburg has <clears throat> Fredericksburg is they're, they're really good at coming up with like all these different ways of you know talking about how special we are and I do believe that we are especially someone who's been here for a while and I've seen a lot of the changes but you know when they say like you know where it all where it all comes together like what does that mean to people it means nothing it, does, it, it doesn't really tell anyone anything and I think there are yeah. opportunities in history and and things like that but um, we we do lack we do lack a couple things that I think could be really helpful and I know one of the things that we're working on is we have like the connector path that's going to mm-hmm. allow us to connect to other localities and kind of create some of that kind of outdoor you know kind of interaction as well as you know the bike racks and all the different ways that we're trying to get you know people to interact in that way um, so that there are and like in Riverfront like the whole point of Riverfront being there um, so there are some opportunities but I think it's still going to take some time before like the real possibilities of all these things coming together are really are are, are really going to are really going to actually motivate people outside because like the economic the economic um i think the economic future of what a lot of our business owners are going to be uh dealing with it, it there isn't there isn't one thing that we're going to be able to say that's going to change Um, how people view Fredericksburg without a lot of a lot of energy put into the promotional differences of what we are because there's a lot of people who still think we are uh, pretty desolate in like the choice of food and retail and things like that like a lot there has been so Fredericksburg has changed so fast that a lot of people don't realize what has happened down here and even with uh, with the surveys that we have done um, to try to help our retailers like in our district there are a lot of people who don't realize that Fredericksburg is different it is not the same place this was 10 years ago sure it's and, not the place <laughs> it was 5 years ago yeah it wasn't the same yeah 5 years ago right but people still think it's the Fredericksburg of old and they don't realize it's out there and, and in order in order for us to really survive especially the larger business community we need to go out to other localities to speak to the people who have that money because you know there there's enough economic strife in Fredericksburg that there's not enough people and with disposable income well to 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 feed all of our businesses well so, and
1: look yeah. hey, look I'm, I'm I'm getting beat up every which way from Tuesday tonight so I'll go ahead and stick my <laughs> neck out there and just do it one more time I'm a glutton for punishment right but I mean I think part of the solution is what we've just come through. Um, with the whole ADU argument, the whole SUP argument. Look, you want to really change things around here that are going to attract. Build. Build, right? I mean, let's start building, right? You know, uh, the the new hotel that's opening up right up here on William Street, right? I can't tell you how many people I've heard trash. I think it's, it's a monstrosity. It's evil. It's awful. I'm thinking, my gosh, I think it's a great gateway into the historic center. I'd like to see more of that,
0: right? Yeah. I'm with you on that actually. Yeah. That, I mean,
1: bring it in, build it up. there are so, so many younger people who just like my wife and I, when we moved here in 19 in 2000, right. Why did we wind up here? Because dad worked in Washington, DC and could not afford to live in Alexandria. We wanted to raise a family. We wanted a home, didn't want to do it in an apartment. And so this is where we found that we could do that. And with the train, it made it bearable for a while. Um, and then 95 just got worse and worse and worse and worse, right? But, um, you know, that housing element was was critical. And the burgeoning foodie scene in Fredericksburg, which is, you know, I'll agree with you, it's not Richmond, right? It's not even Washington. But it, for a, a small town of this size, it's not bad. It's better than it was five years ago. It's right? better than it was five years ago, right? But I think a lot of the key is going up. And it's one of the things that I, I think about a lot when I'm walking downtown or walking around this area, right? Um, look, no offense. I'm 61 years old. I can talk about old people, right? I'm, I'm part of the problem, right? But the thing that always catches me is the number of people in their 20s and 30s I see walking around this region, and I have no freaking clue who these people are right? And how connected are they to this? I mean, I feel connected, but do they? And what are we doing to make them feel connected? Start building for crying out loud and give them a place and a reason to be here.
4: I do think it's interesting seeing kind of the trend in discussions with economic development and how that, you know, relates to housing. I mean, I think that is that's a conversation that our planning district is engaging in a lot. um, Right. And it's like convenient and helpful to have (laughs) like a planning district that works on transportation, on economic development, on housing and community health. Right. It's like strategic that all those things kind of live in that space together to try to foster that discussion around these issues in a way that is not just siloed. I mean, each section has its own siloed growth, but Ultimately, you know, those conversations are interrelated in a way that you can't, you can't really get around that. And, and even I think in terms of state funding and direction from state government, those conversations are becoming even, you know, more closely linked. Um, we had Sam Shukis on, Director for Housing and Community Health, um, who I work with at GWRC as well. Um, and we attended the Virginia Governor's Housing Conference. And that was a, a huge chunk of discussions <laughs> and sessions were housing and economic development and what those things look like when they have to live in the same space. When you're talking about you know, creating an environment that businesses want to come to regionally and what that looks like. Um, so I, I do think, you know, those conversations are going to continue to be more and more linked. And, um, you know, as communities, we have to be strategic in how we make space for those conversations.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, it kind of comes back to the, I mean, again, like Spotsylvania in the 70s, they figure they just build a bunch of homes. And this is what would bring individuals and those individuals would spend money there and what have you. Now you've almost got the condition where Stafford County almost deliberately builds defense contracting and all that in Quantico so you can work in Quantico, and Fredericksburg picks that up and says, okay, you'll eat in Fredericksburg, but then you'll go live in Spotsylvania. Well, if you live in Spotsylvania and you have small children, guess who gets the tax burden for building schools and all that? It's it's Spotsylvania County. Um, Louisa County routinely does this to its neighbors as well because they have the resources necessary to kind of keep their tax rate low Right. And then they build the data centers and they build the Zion's Crossroads of the world and they build, you know, the the, the distribution centers. And they rely on Spotsylvania and Goochland to, to take up the, the the slack when it comes to, to residential. Um, and then who picks up the the tab? Well, the, the neighboring localities. Right. Um, so, so this is like, again, a kind of, you know, kind of like bringing the, the conversation full circle. Right. It's like you still have these localities that, that kind of play the games without really you know, focusing on the, on the wider picture, and they'll cooperate on economic development for certain, because it's easy to do. But when it comes to land use, and when it comes to transportation dollars, that's where the, the games get played, right? Because at the end of the day, these localities only have a handful of, of 19th century
4: tools in order to pick up 21st century responsibilities,
2: Yeah, well, and I, I'm not taking a side on this, not being a proponent uh, um, or a detractor, but other regions in the state on the transportation piece have regional transportation authorities. Our region does not. Um, I don't know. Again, I'll stay in the sidelines of this conversation, um, but I th- I think that there's an opportunity for our region to get some legislation in the General Assembly to create a regional transportation authority. And I think that that would be a a huge benefit.
0: Right. And this is one of those like the the proponents will say it's it's not you're you're pooling resources to identify a common need, which is a regional need. So there's a a solidarity kind of argument there. Opponents would come back and say, well, it's a fourth layer of government with an unelected board and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, until somebody shows me a better way of tackling the problem, I think this is the default solution. Show me something better. And if you give me something better, I'm in favor of it. But if you can't give me something better, I'm not waiting 30 minutes to get across the Rappahannock coming back from D.C. So
1: If you're lucky.
0: If you're lucky. So I've I've had Megan, you had, yeah, one point.
4: Yeah, just one quick thing, Uh, Ian. I don't know if you, I wanted to make some space if you wanted to share a little bit about you guys' conference coming up and kind of the topics that are going to be of discussion for that.
2: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I'd forgotten all about that. Um, I, I will say, I want to say, though, to close out that conversation we were having about Fredericksburg, I'll, ju- I'll just say a few things. A- and I was screaming this to myself from the rooftop when we were on that chamber trip to Lexington, Kentucky. A- and Corey, you were alluding to this. People do a really bad job of understanding the assets and advantages of their community. It's like when you self-audit, you, yeah, you do that a makes, bad that's a great, job. That's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it happens here. I, to your point, there are just a lot. Of, I, I think there will take time for them to coalesce, but there are a lot of assets in Fredericksburg. And when we were in, in Lexington, I was like, well, hey, we, we have that. We do that. Or we do that in Virginia, and we can, we can pull that from other places. So I want to say that. A other thing, just real quick, um, our entrepreneurial ecosystem – so our our startup community um, is not where it needs to be. That includes Main Street, that includes high tech, what, what we would call higher growth companies. Um, that's not where it needs to be when we compare ourselves to like urban areas in the state or in other states. Um, so that's one thing that we're trying to focus on from the Go Virginia perspective. Um, in, in terms of our summit, <clears throat> um, so we have our... Uh, Regional Economic Development Summit at UMW Dahlgren on the 23rd of January. It's going to be the first time we've done an event like this. One of the reasons we're doing it um, is kind of like the crux of this conversation. How do we bring folks in the region together? And when we talk region, it includes Northern Neck and Middle Peninsula, but how do we bring folks together? So we really see this as an opportunity to bring folks together across the region. We want to highlight some of the things that we've done. Um, and then we want to also kind of have an education piece. So I, I mentioned regional industrial facility authorities. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Uh, we have four different panels. So site development, we'll be talking about those REFAs. Workforce development, we'll be talking about initiatives in that space, K-12, community college. Uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial ecosystem, we'll be talking about some of the things that we're doing there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so part of it is an education piece as well. Sure, that's phenomenal.
1: That's phenomenal. Yeah, that is awesome. And gosh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but I believe in some people around this table were bashing on the city not having a, an identity. I think I was the one defending them tonight, wasn't I? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe I got something right tonight. I don't know. Depends on which identity you were defending. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, I gotta take a victory, or I can get it tonight <laughs> with you guys beating up on me left and right. So, uh, so you know, it's, it's time for the roundtable discussion.
2: Ian, what are you reading? Okay, so I'm reading it. I'm kind of reading it. It's on the on the bedside table. I love Ray Bradbury. I love his ability to kind of meld together like emotional human stories with science fiction. So I'm reading The Illustrated Man, which like a lot of his books are uh, short story science fiction books. Uh, science fiction short stories.
1: I read it 50 years ago in high school. Very cool. Awesome wow. book. It's everybody's
2: good wow. now as it was then. It's great. It's, it's his only book I haven't read. So There you go.
1: Megan, Corey?
2: Well, um, I didn't do a whole lot of extra reading. I'm still
3: on the two books. Um, I just recently finished a, my first scoring project for a movie. Um, so a lot of my energy has been going into finalizing a lot of that work. Getting it to the client, um, and then I had like one last minute thing. Those kind of dropped, uh, kind of dropped on at the end, where I was also asked to write an original single to to go in the end credit scenes of the movie as well. So I've been all those manuals and everything right. has come down. <laughs> you know that we were talking about very early in this podcast has come down to the execution of this project, um, and it has been and has gone very well the client's happy i'm happy um waiting ready for the next opportunity outstanding congratulations dude that's great look
1: out huntley Corey is coming for you man <laughs>
4: um so i haven't uh started a new book but i feel like Corey and i both actually have been uh starting to read through this is keeping it light as i always do but um the uh, articles of genocide that's currently going on in the, the world court of justice. So I'm starting to piece through those. Whew,
0: <laughs> that's
1: heavy. That's yeah, that's not heavy at all. Sean, how about you, my friend?
0: So I am reading uh, Leo Strauss's uh, Natural Law and the State. It's uh, mostly directed towards my grad work. So um, yeah, so that's been kind of preoccupied time. I still haven't finished uh, Ellis's The Cause either, um, but I'll probably be finishing up sometime this week when I'm like going to bed and then sit there and read for like two or three hours um but like right now it's all gonna be like like heavy duty 80 proof philosophy work guys it's, I'm gonna be really boring on these on these book picks but sorry man I am I'm I'm in, I'm in the weeds
1: <laughs> I remember reading Strauss in graduate school and I hope' it's, I, I doubt it's any better now than it was when I read it he doesn't say what he means. That's no, the worst part about Leo Strauss. It's yeah. like
0: you're great at identifying the problem, but you can't tell me how to fix it. It's like, well, thanks for nothing. I'll just go read the great books and
1: wallow. I well, mean, if you want to do that, just read Karl Marx. No, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody's reading Karl Marx, man.
0: Like, I, 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 have you actually read Das Kapital? I have from, read from, from one yes, part to the I other. I have
1: read the entirety of Das Kapital.
0: I don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to call you a liar, but, like, there's, there's no way. It's like it's like somebody saying I've read Infinite Jest. I have there's no read... way you've read David Foster Wallace cover to cover. It's like it's like Wealth of Nations. Nobody's read that book cover to cover.
1: Wealth of Nations? No. Yeah. But I have read Das Kapital. Mm. You want to know why? Because you were forced to?
0: I was forced to. That's what a Marxist would do.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking a class in. Um, I was taking a graduate seminar in... Um, Why uh, why would they force you to read the
0: entirety of it? I mean, can't they just... I mean, it's not... He he kind of like like just hammers and hammers and hammers and hammers. Sean, three words. Yeah.
1: University of Chicago.
0: Yeah, well, there you go.
1: That's what University of Chicago people do. Did you actually know anybody who
0: actually studied under Leo Strauss at Chicago? No. Oh, Oh, bummer. Okay.
1: No, before my time. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, that would have been way before. Way before my time. Okay.
1: Oh, well. Yes, but that's what University of Chicago people do. We read tons and tons and tons of books, which is why it takes a person from Harvard to get their PhD in history in three years. And it takes someone 35 at the university of Chicago. That's right. <laughs> so true story. My very quickly, my friend, uh, one of my best friends, uh, went in to do his doctoral uh, examination do his orals and he's like, just killing it. Right. And then the guy asked him about this title and he kind of looked at me he like, he's like, just frantically trying to, you know, I, I must've read this. Right. And it's like, Finally, he's just in admits like, "I'm I'm sorry, I I, I don't know this title," and uh, and of course they you know they finish up, they send you out of the room, they bring you back in, and it's like, "I'm sorry, you failed your rolls." Oh no! And he's like, "Okay, what did I do wrong?" And he's they were like, oh, "We were just stunned you didn't know this book," and he says, "I'm I'm sorry, I, I'm well read, I don't know this book," and, and the guy told him it was published two weeks ago.
0: Oh my gosh! Really? I was kind of hoping this Honest like you know, tr- tr- trick question. This book doesn't exist. You passed, but no, no, like, no, no.
1: wow! No,
0: they failed him because that scares the hell out of me.
1: Uh, yeah, well, it scared <laughs> the hell out of everybody at University <laughs> of Chicago. But he did pass his orals on his second chance. So, oh, geez! Uh, he's
0: now uh, after reading that book. He's now two doc- times.
1: he's now Dr. Capper at uh, I believe he's at I believe he's at Southern Miss now. Okay, good. For uh, him. Buddhist specialist. Great, great guy. Um, so what am I reading? Uh, I'm reading the speeches of um, Winston Churchill. That's right. Yeah. yeah, loving it, loving it. Going all the way back to 1900 and his first speeches. And, you know, even as a, a very young man, man, you can see it in those speeches. So it's just the guy just had it from the get-go.
0: Yep, he had the gift. He had the gift. He's just amazing. We will never see another one like him. Uh, no. No. Nope.
1: No, not in our lifetime.
0: Not he, that our society
1: really rewards churchills anymore uh, no no it doesn't unfortunately but that's it's you know it's it's um uh, i have lots of collected speeches in my office and and i just i'm mean, gonna I just go pull a different one off and i just yanked that one off the last week and started reading it and can't put it down good stuff so it's, it's great stuff so with that we're done with another issue of the need a podcast uh, another episode i should say Ian Ginger, it's been great to have you here. Thanks for coming and explaining to me yet again for the third time uh, something I just flat out don't understand, obviously, and now we all know why I'm a commentator, not a business reporter. We'll, right, Sean?
0: We'll keep explaining why UNC is what it is oh, and God. one day. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just ah. retreat into your University of Chicago identity and not uh, not those Tar Heels. <laughs>
1: Corey, am I allowed to sing us out tonight? No, <laughs> you got to win a game first.
2: The spotlight is earned. <laughs> well, we are in the throes of basketball season, and the UNC basketball squad is, as always, is, doing well. Is very strong this year. Oh, but
1: it's zoomba, zumba, zumba, but it's zumba, zumba. And with that, we're out. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> From everyone here at the New Dominion Podcast, thanks for taking the time to listen tonight. We hope you have a marvelous week. We will see you next week when I believe we have a surprise guest. We do indeed. We do indeed. Have a great week, uh, and thanks, all of you, for being here. Take care.